Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello, everyone. We are back. A new week has passed and we are going to talk about the Premier League and all other soccer-related things that have been happening. So, should we get started? Let's get at it. All right. So, we're going to start um, with the games that happened this past Saturday. Um, match week three. Match week three. How are we already on match week three? Um, How are we only at match week three? I feel like so much has happened already. So much has happened. Um, only but- three games in. <laughs> It's wild. It's been wild already. We love it. Um, but let's start. Um, we'll just go through the games on Saturday. Um, the first one, which I watched a little bit of, but I was half asleep, was Spurs Wolves. Spurs won one zero. Wolves. I think that Tottenham under Conte are just gonna look how they looked in this game sometimes, and kind of look like a like make a game a slog. And pull it out in the end. Yeah. And that's just what it looked like. And I think that's just be, what they do. To be honest, I think Tottenham has in many ways always been that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They were like that under Mourinho. Um, yeah. I will say it has not been a great start to the season for Wolves, but. Mm-mm. But they didn't look I bad. Don't... They did not look bad in this no, game. No, that's not what I mean. But I mean, like, Where are yeah, they the they've only, they're third from the bottom. Oh. Only scored one goal so far this year. And I think yeah. that's the concerning thing for them. Yes. That it, they yes. have only scored one goal. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the concern there. I think not to, again, but. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I would – I don't know why I expect them to improve throughout the season. They're normally a pretty solid team, and I suspect Spurs will look like they looked. But yep. we'll see. Um, the next game, I did not watch. Crystal Palace 3, Aston Villa 1. Um, Another team, I think, there that is not having a start that they would like to have, and that would be Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, I have not been tremendously impressed with Aston Villa. Um, no. I will I'm not also surprised. say that Crystal Palace has actually looked pretty good this season. Yeah, um, I'm going to say Crystal Palace lost their first game of the season to, to City, which that is what it is. Um, yeah. I think Crystal Palace has looked decent i think crystal palace has looked yeah. pretty good um yeah. decent so i'm not this is not a shocking result to me by me. no um everton nottingham forest hell yeah nottingham forest with a point um um i think actually nottingham forest will be a little bit disappointed yes to not come away with three um was- just given that everton's equalizer was quite late well, um, also, Nottingham Forest scored in the 81st minute and Everton scored in the 88th minute. So I think they may be a little bit gutted that they didn't hold that out for nine exactly. minutes. Exactly. They um, only had to hold it out for about 10 minutes. Um, so that's They a were bit... away, so maybe Everton got a boost from their home crowd. But Yes. I will also say, um, if I was an Everton fan, I would be a tad concerned. Um, yes. Because they haven't made the 
you yes. know, jump from where they were almost being relegated last season. They haven't looked like, oh, we've got yeah, it if, together. If I'm a supporter, if I'm a supporter of Everton looking at how we ended, how they ended last season and looking at how we've started this season, I'm not filled with confidence that we're not, that we're going to be completely avoiding the relegation. Yeah. Yes. At all. Um, I would agree. Again, I, I mean, like, I'm not saying like have a meltdown, Everton fans, but I just think that Nate, I would not be full of confidence. And yeah. like, yes, they've had a couple of unlucky injuries at the starting of this of this season that are are less than yes. ideal. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I just don't. I don't know if Lampard's working for them. I just can't really tell. I haven't watched like a whole enough of a game to really be able to tell fully. Um, I so don't know if Lampard. This is gonna sound terrible. <laughs> I am not convinced yet that Lampard is a particularly good manager. Oh, well, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, he hasn't proven to anyone. I, that I he was is. not particularly impressed with him at Chelsea. I have not been particularly impressed with him at Everton. I don't think he's made either of those teams worse than they are, but I don't think he helped either of those teams yeah. get better. Um, and that's not to say he couldn't sort of find something in Everton and turn something around. And that's not to say there's other, there aren't other circumstances that have been impacting yeah. this Everton team, but I am not particularly, I'm not convinced by any means that Frank Lampard is necessarily who you want at the helm. If you are trying to avoid a relegation battle. Yeah. I don't, Yes, I would agree. I don't know who they would get, but I do. I'm agree. not saying I'm not saying he's a shit manager and he should get fired and no. never coach right? like, no, That's what I'm not saying. What I'm saying. just saying like I'm not convinced he's got the like tactical know-how and or the man management and or the cult of personality. Yeah. To like all of any combination of which can can be you know yes yeah contribute to great managers um I'm not convinced that he's got any of that in loads I'm just I don't know I think perhaps he was done a disservice as a coach by being given the Chelsea position as early as he was yeah I mean I think if you look at a lot of the other player player to manager people they haven't always just jumped straight into the Premier League. And um, and he was coaching somewhere before that, but if you look at like not uh, substantial amount though, right? I don't mm, don't quote me on that. Um no, not not a ton. I mean Steven Gerrard, yes, he's at Aston Villa, which is like not, but he didn't jump to Liverpool and then down to Aston Villa, right? right? Yeah. Like Frank Lampard, I actually want to look now how long he was at whatever he was before Um, yeah he was there for a year he was at derby county for a year before he went to chelsea i just don't know that that was enough yeah no i would agree particularly like i think steven gerrard how long was he and, and he hasn't even made the jump to anywhere. Yet. I'm also not particularly enthralled with Steven Gerrard yet. 
um no I'm not no I'm not either but 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 like if you look at Steven Gerrard he was at Liverpool teaching coaching youth teams for a year and then he coached Rangers for three years before he before he jumped to the Premier League and when he did jump to the Premier League it's Aston Villa it's not Liverpool right and I think that's the right move for him like whether he ever makes it or whether he should ever make it to be the Liverpool coach yeah um you know is remains to be seen I think I don't think you can say one way or the other I think Aston Villa has a handful of issues that are not necessarily down to Steven Gerrard but like I think alternatively I'm looking at he's not in the Premier League yet but I expect him to be in the next couple of years Vincent Company oh interesting um who is currently managing Burnley yeah who got relegated and are playing in the championship right now. Right. Um, and this is his first year in charge and we'll see, but he was managing um, Anderlecht in Belgium for yeah. two years before yeah, yeah. he came over and took over. He ju- he's just taken over. He just came to Burnley so, this year. So we, yeah. we don't know how, how that's going to go, but um, he did, he was, I believe a player manager at Anderlecht for one of those years. Or I guess he coached. I he was he co- player managered Anderlecht for a year and then became was the manager period for two years mm. and then so he's so this is his fourth year doing coaching of some kind, right? And then you look at you look at Steven Gerrard who is in his fourth fifth fifth year, fifth. Fifth year of coaching somewhere of some yeah. kind yeah and then frank lampard who's in his fourth year i fourth or fifth year i think of fourth year of but have coaching. only ever have really been in the premier league but has really. only ever really been in the premier league he's yeah. been like i said one year at derby county yeah and then or then you also look at you know wayne rooney if we're right. going to talk about you know who was at derby county yeah i believe and now is dc united yeah which i think is an interesting move for him you know what i mean he coached derby county he took over from steven gerrard i believe or um from frank lampard excuse me at derby county i think there might be a year in between i don't know yeah anyway he takes over for he 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 coached at derby county and now he's at the mls and i don't know necessarily that you know he's gonna come back and coach in the, I expect he'll come back to Europe and coach at some point. I would but, expect him to come back to Europe. I don't know when, and I don't know in what capacity, but I would yeah, expect. But, you know, there's plenty of, of, and, and, you know, even, and I think here's a good comparison, I think maybe is Xavi is maybe the only player from our era, at least of like yeah. players we watched play that yeah. are now managers um Javi and Lampard are the only ones who did those sort of big jumps yeah I think Javi has been more successful yes I would 100% agree I think there is there has been a clear improvement regardless of the other shit going on at Barca there's a clear we're not talking about the other stuff just performance (laughs) your performance and like the way they they play work ethic ethic. there's a clear difference in in Javi's Barca and and I just don't see 
I don't know. Like, I also think there's certain players that when you're watching, you can, even as their players, you can say this guy would make a good coach, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. When when company was captaining City, you know, a couple years ago, which I guess is now quite some time ago. Probably, yeah. Feels very recent to me, but um, we knew as City fans, and I think not just City fans, I think people in general knew, he's going to coach. He's going to be a manager, and right. he's going to be good at it. Yeah. Right. Well, I could like, say the same thing for like Mikel Arteta, right? Who yes, I but think I also think you, but I also think you could you could say the same thing about Steven Gerrard, and I yes. think you could say the same yeah. thing about Javi when Javi yeah. was a player. Yeah. I don't know that you necessarily would have said it about Rooney, but it's not. I don't know that I necessarily would have picked Lampard off the field, and and yeah. and I think there's a we've gone kind of on a tangent here, but I don't think it's irrelevant. Um. Okay. But I don't think I feel like we're we're close to falling off a cliff now where every great player we expect to be a manager. Yeah. And I I think we need to not fall off that cliff. Some of you guys can be announcers too. We need some good announcers. You can just retire in peace. You (laughs) just watch on. Be like Or uh, you can scout. Like, you know, like like Puyol and and sort of some of the other Barca golden generation yeah, like Barca guys of like are uh, like are like they're like backroom guys. Yeah. They do scouting or they do sort of promotion for the club or they're they're yeah. still involved in the yeah. game, but you don't need to be a coach. No, because no. not every player not I think is coach. cut out for it. Because yeah. I'm looking right now and I'm going, Cristiano Ronaldo should not be a coach. Okay, but he's not going to want a coach. No, but I also don't think, for example, Lionel Messi should be a coach. No, but I don't think Messi would want that either. I don't either. But I'm just saying, like, these are two of arguably the greatest players of all time. Neither of them should coach. Yeah, I mean, well, look how Maradona was as a coach. Like, not good. Whenever no, he but coached, I mean, and I mean, like, coached. yeah. And I mean, like, Ronaldinho isn't out here coaching anybody. Like, no. But you know what I'm saying? We're like, not I contesting think that... them being the best players in the world if they no, don't coach. Like, not no everyone. And for example, I think the most obvious future coach on City's current roster right now is Ilkay Gundogan. That's a good point. Well, you also have to think the best coaches sometimes are the ones who don't play all the time. I mean, Gundogan plays a lot, but are the no, ones he who, does, like, and, and, and he's a well-known player. But but he is a type of player with the type of temperament right. and the and the and the tactical sort of think is a very yeah, intelligent yeah, mindset player in the type yeah. of way that I see him coaching. Yeah. I actually know for a fact that he's working on a coach's license and he sometimes helps out with the youth teams at city. Like I know for a fact that he does that um, because I'm, you know, an avid city fan, but I see, I can see, even if I didn't know that, I think you can tell. And, and frankly, I, De Bruyne on the other hand, I don't think necessarily, I don't know that he shouldn't coach. I wouldn't say that he shouldn't coach. But I think there's almost a point where there are guys that are so naturally gifted that they shouldn't coach because you can't coach what makes them great. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know that you can coach. You can't create a Kevin De Bruyne without already having what Kevin De Bruyne has, right? Like, you can't create him. I think alternatively... In a lot of ways, like, yes, obviously, they all sort of have natural talent to a point. But I think in a lot of ways, you can create an Ilkay Gundogan. 
And I think those sorts of players, and it's, it's not applicable across the board, obviously, because I think Xavi was a particularly gifted player in a lot of ways that you can't sort of necessarily create. But I mean, like, if you think back to like the greatest managers, and maybe this is part of our genera- a generational yeah, thing, generation. but I don't think anybody really thinks about Pep Guardiola's playing career. Yes, he was a good player. He played for Barcelona, but he was not in a Barcelona team where he was the star. By any yeah. Means. Yeah. And so I think this sort of idea that all your faves need to become managers is hurting those players. Because I feel like there's now like a pressure on those guys to go coach now and yeah. to be good at I think it. That, I think that that is like, true, that, that there is a pressure and they are almost feel like they're expected to go coach. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they should. And if you well, even right. think on the women's side of the game, if you even think on the women's side of the game, um, Mia Hamm, she's not out here coaching. No. Um, Abby Wombach, she's not out here coaching. Like, I just think that, like, we need to maybe fans and, and sort of the culture of it maybe needs to take a step back and reevaluate how much we're pushing for our favorite players to then become coaches because I think ultimately like I think in many ways like there's a risk of ruining your reputation at a club with a club yeah you know like Lampard not succeeding at Chelsea I think obviously he's still a Chelsea legend and will continue to be but I do think that put a little it put a little tarnish on that yeah like, I don't want Vincent Company to come back and coach City <laughs> anytime soon. Well, that has to do with Pep. But also, like, <laughs> I don't want Pep to leave. But I also, like, I don't want him coming back until and unless he's truly ready to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I – and I don't know that I necessarily want him to come back at all. And yeah. much like I think I've spoken to Liverpool fans about this before, but I think many Liverpool fans, they don't want Steven Gerrard to coach Liverpool if he's not going to win Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues with Liverpool. They don't want that because right. they don't want to have to criticize. You don't want to have to criticize your club legend, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I... I don't think Arteta was like some club legend for Arsenal, but it was all, it's always been a discussion around him and whether or not he's a a good coach for the, I think maybe now we can stop saying it, but last year, the year before it was always like, is he too young? And does he have enough experience, but also. Well, because he used to be an Arsenal player. He made, he made a jump from an assistant manager to Arsenal is his first head oh yeah position. and there was and that's that's crazy that's but it i was absolutely it, it has somehow worked but people were right to say that it was crazy he's the youngest premier league manager or or was might not be anymore like it was crazy like he's very young he's very young um but he and also, i can say this now know, by feeling actually a little bit positive about this season but if you asked me a year ago the start of last season i would have said it was a train wreck so but I also think that you can now see how very much he clearly learned at, you know, Pep's yes. right hand. Yes. And that also, but that he isn't just a mini Pep, right? Like he clear, you can see that the, the influence there 
but I don't think he's a replica. But I also think it maybe took him a little bit of time to sort out exactly what he wanted to do when he's the only one in charge. Yeah. I think when he had he's to sort the one through some the players call. too. We, we, yeah, there were, there were a, a team with some player stuff, but I, I do think that I, but I also think again, right. We talked about this maybe last time too. He was given the time, even though there was a lot of pressure not to give him the time. And I'm not saying that Lampard needs time at Everton. I think that that's, I think it's a, a completely yeah. different situation Going back to our um, original conversation yes yeah, sorry we that... winded and wound our way back but I think that Everton fans I think I'm Lampard should try and will want to have the best showing he can this season because if he doesn't I could see there being I think frankly if he doesn't turn things around soon that Everton should get a new coach because yeah. I, and, and I'm not calling Lampard out or whatever you want to say, but I think that a different coach, a different type of coach, a different, a different coach could make a difference at, at Everton. So yeah. all of this to say, you know, yeah. I think that is something that could potentially make a difference there. And I think that if they don't, if they're not mid table, mid by the time the world cup break happens and he's true. getting fired yeah well, we'll wait to see who would have guessed the beginning of this that we'd have just talked about everton for about 20 minutes but that's okay. not me um let's um move on because there are other games that we anticipate talking about a lot more um i'll say fulham beats brentford 3-2 potentially a little bit of a letdown post brentford's 4-0 thrashing of united last week agreed um, I think it's I'm happy to see Fulham win this game. I think I mean I think Brentford should be, you know, finishing mid table again if they can. Um I think, it would be nice I for Fulham the, to, you know, stay up. So I think Fulham will be very happy with the start of their season. They haven't yeah. lost yet. No. Um that's a win and two draws. Uh three. So I think Fulham will be very happy with how they've started. Yeah. Um a team that might not be that excited about how they started is Leicester, um, who only has one point out of three games, having lost yeah. to Southampton 2-1 this week. Mm-hmm. Um, They've given up eight goals. Yeah. That's a lot of goals to give up in three games. A lot of goals. Um, and not something that we probably would have anticipated from Leicester. It's, I mean, It is, for the record, the most goals given up yeah. in the league. Yeah. So, only by one. Only by one, but it is the the yeah. worst. So we should. Um, I mean, I think they. I I don't think it's like I don't think they can't turn their season around. But absolutely, it's an interesting. They have some work to get done, I think. But again, Southampton yeah. too has maybe looked better than expected. Um, um, I don't know that they're better than expected. I I say I, that I'm not actually a strong mid table team. Yeah. Yeah moving on <laughs> moving on sorry Southampton and Lester we don't have as much to say about you as we had about Everton apparently um moving on to the pride and joy of Arsenal who is in sole possession of first place in the Premier League not for long not for long but I can gloat on this one podcast until we no longer claim it um so allow me that um I made a 3-0 win over Bournemouth is what's to be expected. It garnered a text from UCOT saying they look really good. So 
I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I, I watched this game. I thought Arsenal looked very, very good. I think, yeah. I mean, there's not a, much more to say about that. I think they look, I think they look yeah. very, very good. I will they say look very strong are, um, across the board. Um, I will say Gabriel Jesus, obviously, is continuing. I mean, Zinchenko as well is con- continuing to show that their value was worth our money. Um, um, I will say... Fingers across, no injuries. That always tends to happen to us. I will say the one position I'm looking at, Ben White's still playing some position wing back. I forget yeah, what side. That's weird. Um, That's but- weird. And I do think that in the coming weeks that might change. But also if he keeps holding his own, I guess maybe that won't change. But Saliba definitely has cemented himself as our other center back. So if Ben White isn't playing out on the wing I don't know if he's really breaking into that two those two center back positions so it'll just be an interesting Mm -hmm. we have some people coming back from injury who I think Tomiyasu Tierney who potentially could sneak into that role so I think that's an area to keep looking at but Ben White's been playing I think I have I don't think it's necessary I think I have three notes about this game like particular things I want to talk about or highlight they're not long I'm just sort of comments um one the first goal, Gabriel Jesus's one off dribble Whatever. situation yeah. was ridiculous. Yes. He I am very happy for him that he is enjoying himself at Arsenal. Yes. I always liked him at City. I think truthfully he just didn't quite fit the system. Yeah. I think that's and, true. And and it just it is and he helped us in a lot of ways. And I liked him at City, but he just didn't quite fit the system and the type of player that he is. He needs to play week in and week out. But I, I am yeah. so delighted to see him enjoying himself and playing really good football. Um Odegaard, poor one out, my guy. He's playing so well right now. I love um, him. I still kind of can't believe the way Arsenal just that Real Madrid just like let Arsenal have him I don't Um, I will never understand that I don't I don't understand but every time I watch Arsenal every time I watch 90 minutes of Arsenal I am I I ask myself that I'm like Madrid is so fucking stupid I don't I don't know not that they don't have a great team but he's he's elite um and and cheers for that goal from Saliba dude that was so fun. That was just like, I just like the funny, everyone was like on the case because he was like out on loan all last season. Like, why is he, can we please have him back? Um, I think that we would have liked to have him last season, but I think it was, I think that year in France was fantastic for him. And I mean, what back is scoring that goal? He scored one other goal in like senior competition. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I also think that. like, the Arsenal fans did not stop that goddamn chant for him. Yeah. For like the next hour, which fair enough, fair play. But I mean, yeah. They da, also da, had da, another da, chant da, da, saying da, 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 um, <laughs> that uh, they were Bournemouth is like going down, like you're going down with United, which I, at the point of watching this game, thought was really funny. But this may, it may have changed post monday but i just enjoyed. we'll talk about that in a second um anyway um, let's move to sunday yes um, i'm done i'm happy with arsenal arsenal finally i don't know what we have harder games to come i want to talk now, i want to talk good. 
just a brief moment of uh like West Ham, what is going on? Well, they're bottom of the league. That's what's going on. They're the, the only score. team now to have I'm lost three games. All three games. Yeah. Um, they have not scored a single goal. Yeah, they have a goal scoring problem. I mean, that's pretty. They are, and it's weird because, like, it shouldn't. The players that they lost shouldn't have really impacted that much. But I like, I don't know. I can't, and even watching them, like, I'm not even sure I can pinpoint what their problem is necessarily. No. But for a team that looked so good last year, yes, this is a very like I know we talked about United a lot, and we'll talk about them a little bit more in a minute. But like United, at least like didn't have a drastic change in form from the end of last season to the beginning yeah. of this one. Yeah, and I feel like West Ham did. West Ham has had the most drastic change in form yeah. from the end of last season to the beginning yeah. of this one. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what's going on there. Um, I might watch their game this weekend if I can to see if I can try yeah, to. That's a good I don't know when their game is. Um, see. Sunday, I can watch it. We'll see. Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. I um, actually might watch that game because that could be interesting. Could so be an interesting anyway, game. nonetheless, I like I'm, um, I'm gonna keep trying to. We're gonna we'll eye. come back to you next week on a more definitive answer on West Ham, but they did lose two uh, zero to Brighton. Um, however, there were two other games on Sunday that may have probably piqued more interest in I want to talk about, actually, out of order, I want to talk about the City game first, That's because like, I actually have more to say about Leeds-Chelsea. Okay. That's fine. Um, I will say, let me say, on the it was a 3-3 d- draw between Newcastle and Man City. This might have been the best game of the season so far. I think that's probably fair. In yeah. terms of neutral entertainment value yes yeah yeah, yes yes, yes. As, as me watching it i thought that this was probably the best game of the season um, um and i'll let you talk more about yeah city and i want to but... give full props to two newcastle players um say maximum who Very much took advantage of Kyle Walker, who I will talk about in a second. Um, <laughs> but had a pretty well, pretty clearly the best game of his career. Yeah. Um, and what a time for him to have it. He was causing problems and looked very, very good. So full credit to him. Um, uh, like, and, and then also Nick Pope. What a what, fantastic. What a fucking signing for Newcastle. He's so good yeah like and and honest to god there were a handful of saves towards the end of that game that a he had no business making and b like it truly felt like the last 10 minutes of the game that city was gonna was gonna pull out the win oh yeah there yeah and nick pope is the only reason that they did it I um, I was I he played there fantastic. Were, he I mean, and and I and I've liked Nick Pope for ages. Um, he was at Burnley previously, and yeah. I thought you know he was clearly he saved. I mean, Burnley obviously got relegated anyway, but he was the only reason that they. He was one of the only reasons they had stayed up the year before, and, and yeah. he, you know, he was a really really big. Uh, he's a huge gift. For, he's so good. 
um, and I've said this for a while, but I think that um, other people are talking about it after this game. So, so full credit to both those guys, and and, and generally credit to Newcastle. Newcastle played really well. Um, yeah, they, I think they yeah. had a very good tactical setup. They they played really well. Yes. However, ha, huh. City's midfield. <laughs> uh, City Sorry. did not look great. No. Um, particularly after the first ten minutes, and for like the last 35 minutes of the first half and the first like 15 minutes of the second half um city did not look great uh Kyle Walker clearly was just not having a good day um I usually I expect better from him I don't expect it to be a trend he just didn't have a good game the one guy who I think honestly was the lint had a bad game and was the linchpin of the whole damn thing and that was Rodri. I don't think I have ever seen him misplay that many passes, period. Yeah. Like, I have never seen him. And he just clearly was not having a good day. Yeah. He, no, it was very, yeah. he turned over the ball. And I'm, I'm not confident I'm exaggerating when I say this. I say this in hyperbole, but I might not be exaggerating. It felt like watching that he turned over the ball more times in that probably 50 minutes of that Newcastle game than he had in the entirety of last season. <laughs> and I'm not confident that I'm exaggerating on that. Yeah. Um, because he is so sure-footed on the ball. He does not lose it with his feet. He does not misplay passes. He doesn't hand gifts to the alternative. And, and City, in many ways, is is very reliant on that the way that city plays means that a turnover from Rodri means that walker and Cancelo are exposed because of the way that they pinch up and in they're totally out of position if Rodri is giving the ball up like that and that's not to say city never give have turnovers in the midfield they do but when it's just a time one or two times a game Rodri, or uh, um, A, a lot of times it's not Rodri, so Rodri will yeah. put out the fire himself. Yes. Um, it will have been somebody right in front of Rodri. Or, even if Rodri is not there to put out the fire, Walker is fast enough that he gets in the way until they get back. So, so I think those two guys having an off game the same game was really capitalized upon by Newcastle. And I don't want to take away from how well Newcastle played because they did. But I think that those were two players that particularly did not have good games and struggled. I also think it is not, it did not help it that Nathan Ake had to come off injured in the beginning. And obviously I love Ruben Diaz and I think he's great, but Diaz and Stones have never been the best duo. Diaz and Laporte are a much better duo. Yeah. Um, in terms of pairings. And and Diaz came in 20 minutes in. He wasn't warmed up. He didn't have no, a yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't. And I didn't think and and I'm gonna be honest, I didn't think that anybody other than Rodri or Walker had particularly bad games. But those two players, like I said, are particularly important to the way that City plays, where if they have bad games on the same day, like Kyle Walker is almost a safety net for if the midfield gives up the ball. So if the midfield's giving up the ball and Kyle Walker is having a bad game, 
then like if both are having a bad game then then that's just how city gives up three goals um like it's it's pretty much that simple um on a on a more positive note um i think what pep said after the game i agree with a lot in that it is good for city to suffer um (laughs) and i think that it is not a bad thing for us to have to struggle a little bit early in the season historically city have not had great starts to the season we've had a a better first game like first couple games than we have the last couple of years in which we've won the league so I'm not particularly concerned about this result or anything and I'm actually really happy with how they came out in the second half I think that the city's sort of grit to not care that they're down 3-1 yeah to come back I think I it's nice to see that that's still there obviously I would prefer them not have to come back from 3-1 Right. Um, yeah but I mean you but, like to see that fight and but you like, like I to said see them like I, it's it's good to see it's good to see them suffer and it's also nice it's I don't think it's a bad thing to see your weaknesses exposed early in the season because I think Pep is the type of manager who will do things to address those weaknesses that were exposed by Newcastle so so there's been some talk of like oh well now everyone sees how to handle City and it's like well, no, because Pep is going to look at what ha- went wrong. Well, part of it, what, part of what went wrong was individual poor performances just on the day. Um, but and and the part of it that went wrong that was tactical, Pep's gonna Pep's gonna do that. Pep's gonna sort it. He's gonna sort it. Like yeah. he he he'll do something different. He'll see it. Um, the only other thing I want to mention is um, Kevin De Bruyne's pass to Bernardo Silva. Oh, how that? No just ridiculous just absolutely ridiculous i mean like no one else in the world makes that pass i've said it when do we stop debating that he is one of if not the best premier league midfielder of all time of all time he's definitely one of them oh yeah uh, sorry i'm not i was like who are other midfielders i can I think he he's definitely one of them. And I think you could make a strong argument. He's the best Premier League midfielder of all time. Yeah. I don't think that you're wrong to make that. I I was listening to, I listened to a bunch of um, soccer podcasts yesterday and today, a variety. Um, and the two Robbies were talking about this pass on, on their podcast. Um, and they, I don't know which one, but one of them said, um, at this point, I think it's hard to argue that Kevin De Bruyne is not in your Premier League all-time best eleven. Oh, I would agree and with I think, that. I think I, I would agree with that. With that. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a homer, and I love Kevin De Bruyne, and he's my fave, and I love him, and I'm a I fan. Mean, I love him too. So, but I think it's hard to argue that he is not the best midfielder in the world right now. Yeah me quickly cataloging midfielders in my mind um, and i know somebody somebody out there had they heard this would go Modric, 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 and i don't want to hear it not not anymore not like as of right now right not currently today yeah if you are genuinely telling me that if you said you can have Modric or de bruyne which one do you want you would choose Modric over de bruyne i think you're lying to yourself 
Yes, I would today. agree with that. Today, right now, like today. right this second. I'm not yes, saying today. in their entire careers. Yeah. I'm saying today. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I will say, I think, um, and part of this is because Foden was not in the U.S. Um, with the rest of the team in preseason. Um, so he didn't play in the preseason games, but I, it does, he definitely still looks like he's settling in. And I think that's obviously why. Um, and he also clearly has not, I don't think is adjusted to Holland's presence yet because there was a game, there was a time last week and in this game where he very much should have slid the ball over to Holland to finish for tap-ins, which are classic Collins, but, and he didn't, he went for goal both times himself and, and neither of them were like bad takes on goal. But it's very much a scenario where you can see that he just instinctually doesn't expect someone to be there because last two years, no one would have been there. Yeah. So I think he's very clearly still adjusting to to Holland and, and just sort of playing again. But I, I expect it to be a back. Um, Graylish apparently has a bit of a knock, um, which is why we didn't see him. Um, Bernardo Silva, I thought, played a very, very good game, particularly in the second half. Um and seems very, very happy to be where he's at. So that's all I really have to say about that game. Um, yeah. Fantastic. So let's move on to the, it was the first game of the day on Sunday. Um, it's, I mean, I think people would have thought that it was going to be a fascinating game either way. It was Leeds versus Chelsea. Um, I don't think anyone quite predicted this. I, I'm actually, I let me let me qualify that statement. I don't want to qualify that statement. Actually, no one predicted. No one. No. 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 Not no a one single did. person. Not a single person. I woke up because I thought it would be fun to watch. I thought Leeds, you know, would play them pretty well, but I did not anticipate a three zero win, and not only a three zero win, but a basic like clobbering. Essentially, a dismantling. Yes, dismantling of Chelsea. Um. And I think Chelsea has a lot of questions to answer. It's odd because they looked pretty good in the game against Tottenham last week, but this game Agreed. they just look like they fell apart. Yeah. Um, and I mean, credit to Leeds and their system of playing. Cause I think that definitely impacted it. Uh-huh. Um, obviously the story out of this game is, is Brendan Aronson and, and, um, major lead soccer, whatever they're calling it. All oh this God, sort of, they gotta um, stop. I, I hate that yeah, so much. I hate they that too. Stop, but, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit, but, um, and then sort of like, um, somebody said like lead soccer club and they're like, it's called soccer. Like, you, you know, whatever, all the jokes. No. I don't mind. I don't mind the soccer jokes. I kind of like the soccer no, jokes though. Please, I think no, the Brits, no. the Brits have too much of superiority complex about a word that they fucking made up um i'm on their side <laughs> both football and soccer come from the same fucking word they both come from association football you goddamn brits um but i either way you know and you know, and you know i call it and you know i call it football frequently you know i, I do too. i do regularly on the thing but i also sometimes call it soccer and yeah. i think i can happily call it both but every time i say soccer some British person rolls over in their grave and they need to That's calm down true. about it a little That's bit. They need true. to calm down a lot okay. about That's it. That's okay. Bit. That's I wouldn't care so much about the soccer thing if they didn't care so much about soccer. I thing. see. I see where it comes I think from. Americans get defensive about the American the only reason Americans make jokes like that is because Brits are so aggressively anti-soccer. 
anyway, Brendan Aronson. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about Brendan Aronson. We would like to um, just say that we would like credit for our take maybe a year ago. I don't remember. I think I did say it on on the pod. We did. We definitely um, did. In we that I, it. my hottest take of the U.S. men's national team about a year ago, because mm-hmm. it was World Cup qualifiers, it was about a year ago. Yep, it was about a year my year. hottest take was that I thought that there was an argument to be made. I didn't say it as an end-all beat-all, but I did say that there was an argument to be made that Brendan Aronson should be higher on the list team sheet than Christian Pulisic. Yes. And I'm pretty sure I said it on the pod. If I didn't, I definitely tweeted it. And it's I definitely texted it to multiple people. So it's in writing somewhere. Um, no, I, I, I can corroborate. We I'm pretty sure um, we discussed this. Um, and this was this yeah. was a very spicy take at the time. Um and I had I said it to multiple people and some people, mostly my dad. My dad kind of agreed with me. You were like, okay, I can see where you're going with that. And then I had other people tell me no absolutely not and now everyone once again this is the Katya's vindication moment of the week um you have a different moment every week but they're never all the same (laughs) Katya's moment of the week this week is one of vindication as it is fairly often um but there has been a lot of discussion that is Aronson better than Pulisic and I think perhaps this is a bit uh, and even though I have this take, I do think it is perhaps a bit unfair because their situations right now are very yes. different. Yes. Um, and we'll, we can talk about Pulisic a little bit in a minute, but I, I want to talk about Aronson in the context of Leeds for a second, as opposed to in the context of, of he's an American. Um, because I think that his performance in this game had zero to do with the fact that he's an American. And everything to do with the fact that he is a talented footballer. Um, yes. He was taking the absolute piss out of Koulibaly. Oh, um, completely. He owned that man. Re- and Completely. And if you look at the size difference, that's hilarious. Um, and I think that you could really see highlighted in this game why Jesse Marsh wanted him. Yes. And Adams as well. I think Adams. So the system that Jesse Mars plays, you can fully you can see, see why, why he wanted. And and the goal that Aronson scored, where he picked it out, he picked Mendy's pocket. Yeah. In embarrassing fashion for Mendy. Um, and no look, cheeky no look finish. Yeah, that was that was. Um, yeah. Is that right there? That press is exactly the reason Jesse Marsh wanted him, signed him. Because he has a relentless motor. He runs and will press and can press for 90 minutes. And he's the only guy I know of who would have run at Mendy like that. And You could also tell almost that Mendy was just surprised, like, Mendy was not. Mendy was like, "What the that. fuck are you doing here?" Right, like because you could why tell you he at- like had the opportunity to kick it and then didn't. And then didn't. I think he was shocked by the fact that Aaronson was just on top of him so quickly. Right, 
But if you've watched Aronson play consistently the past couple of years, which you probably haven't if you aren't a U.S. men's national team fan and you aren't a particularly um, devoted to watching your prospects and up-and-comers, you probably haven't, and I don't blame you for that. But if you have, like we have, and been paying attention to him, that's not surprising. He loves that shit. Um, And he will happily do it all game. So I think that that is, and that exemplifies exactly why they they would do that. And and Leeds as a whole, I think there's been a lot of talk about Jesse Marsh, and I and I think fairly, um, a lot of credit given to Jesse Marsh that Jesse Marsh sort of took what Bielsa started at Leeds and this high pressing, high tempo, like very high energy press, and just gave it a little more structure. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yes, it's, it's Marsh's, Marsh has always played like that. He likes to play like that. That's not, he didn't just be like, oh, that's what Bielsa does. So I'll just modify it. Like that's how he plays. But in many ways, this is not a distinctly different leads from the way leads played under Bielsa. It's just a little more tactically structured, um, defensively structured. Um, Mm -hmm. And a 3-0 dismantling of Chelsea, I think tells you all you need to know. But I, I mean, full credit to, Rodrigo who's having a fantastic start um in terms of getting off the mark in terms of goals um Jack Harrison had a fantastic game um uh, it was a great set piece um yes it was a beautiful very beautiful ball very beautiful ball for that second goal um and a good finish from him as well for the third one um it was nice to see him get on the score sheet um but I also think I Adams is the biggest one that people are not talking about in the sense that he's not a flashy player. No. We've never expected him to be a flashy player. But what he does, and I've said this before, is his he just puts out fires. That's what he does. He is he is actually second in the league right now to I think tackles or defensive recoveries or something like that. Um he's second in the league in the Premier League. Yeah. Um my headphones are about to die um but yeah like he's he and he had a fantastic game this game too and I do just want to give a little shout out not necessarily to that for much impact on the game but um I just really enjoyed seeing Dan James on the um the pitch again we were talking about this (laughs) yeah I weirdly enough I don't know why I don't know why I like him genuinely I liked him a little bit when he was at Man U and I think he came to Leeds and and has had some some issues and haven't been able to play so it's nice to see him play again I I hope he I hope he keeps playing in that and getting in the yeah I yeah but I want to talk about I want to talk about um Jesse Marsh for a second go for it um I have decided that I love Jesse Marsh that's fascinating. Did this happen after not, this weekend or has this no, been growing? No, it was, it was growing, okay. but I haven't decided whether I think Jesse Marsh is purposefully feeding into the, his Americanness and kind of trolling everyone so. or if he's just that American because the man is from Wisconsin. That is true. <laughs> that, that is true. What, that, that's valid. If he wasn't he's playing, from, but I think he could just be like that. He, and I can't decide. Either way, I love it. <laughs> I love it. 
his like his grok spike of the water bottle off the third goal and he's like running up and down like he's so unapologetically american in a way but also all of that saying also setting up leads incredibly intelligently well they won this game on jesse marsh tactics yeah and i think like their fans are realizing that right there was always this apprehension but now they're like kind of just like you know this is fun who cares we're good they're in third place right now in the premier league like we're just gonna go for it (laughs) yeah and i think and i think you know I hope we get to the point someday where Americans playing in the Premier League is not particularly noteworthy. Yes, I would agree. Like, we don't... People don't lose their minds when Spanish players or German players or whatever go play in the Premier League. I would... I, And I think we can get to the point, but I would like to someday get to the point where it's not notable. Um, but this is the first time an American player has ever scored under American manager in the Premier League, so that's exciting. Um, there's a lot of people talking about, which I think is bullshit, um, but a lot of people are talking about um, Harrison and um, Jack Harrison as well, because if you are not aware, Jack Harrison played briefly in the MLS and also for Wake Forest. Um, and and Aronson and Adams and they're they're talking about like oh see the MLS is and I'm like no 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 because because we're looking at Aronson who went over he signed for Salzburg before he turned 18 yes and only went when he turned 18 yeah Tyler Adams went at 19 or 20 but still again quite young um and neither of them played for very long in the senior MLS. No. And there is a difference between, I think, crediting MLS academies and saying, which I think is fair, because yeah, yes, I think the MLS developmentally wise, they per- yeah. developmentally, I think MLS academies are, are perfectly acceptable. Yes. Adams did come through an MLS academy system. Yeah. So did Aronson. Um, Pulisic yeah. did not. But, um, yeah. So did Weston McKinney. So did many of the American players. Well, they all do if they can't get that, right? If they can't get a passport to get them into Europe at 16, they, they all go, have They to go, go through, through an MLS so academy is, system. Yes. And, and that's perfectly fine. But I think to act like these are MLS products in the way that they're framing it no, is, it, is no, insincere. No. It's not true. It's just it's not, not true. true. It's, it's the, the, the hope Aaron's that these people want the MLS to be better than it is. Aronson was very good when he went to Salzburg and then was developed further at yes. Salzburg. And now because he played at Salzburg for those, you know, year and a half, he's now good enough to go. He play would for not Leeds. be playing like this if he had come from the Philadelphia union straight to Leeds. No. And he, but he also like, we're talking about players that came from the MLS and Tyler Adams played two or three seasons in the MLS. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Um, but yeah. He was there for the longest of the McKenney Pulisic Adams. Like, yes, he was, group. but he, we're talking about players that leave the MLS in their late teens. 
as still teenagers, we're not talking about 25 year olds who leave the MLS and then go succeed in the Premier League. No, because they don't normally succeed. (laughs) Because 25 year olds that are still playing in the MLS, it's because they can't. can't Because the talent that can succeed in Europe is is found before like I think people underestimate how much scouting is done oh, at the youth level so much these kids are identified yeah they by Europe before they're 18 yeah these coaches and then know they who watch they're them for. and yeah. then they watch them and they're the academies are looking at them and the teams are and they're on radars yeah that's not to say no guy has ever flown under the radar until he's a bit older and then made a move. But by and large, the successful players, the players that we're going to see be successful on a large scale in Europe will have been identified earlier and will have moved to Europe as teenagers. Yeah. And finished their, they will have started their development at MLS academies they and will finish, finish that. that development yep. um, at teams like Salzburg or like Dortmund. Um, or Dortmund. <laughs> I would agree. Right. 100%. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think, think that there's, I think this like the MLS is, is, and also people are talking about like Jesse Marsh at one point, I guess he played when he played in his playing career, he played in the MLS. And I'm like, again, that, let's not talk about playing no, versus coaching. They're no, different things. Very, very you different. You can be a mediocre player and a fantastic manager and yes. vice versa. Vice versa. Clearly. Being good at one does not being equal being good at the other necessarily. Yeah. And I don't know much about Jesse Marsh as a player, but I don't think he had a particularly notable career as a player. Um, yeah. Anyway, point being, cool it on the MLS shit. Um, Please, for the sake of us in this podcast, we don't want to keep talking about it. Please. <laughs> very briefly, Chelsea looked a mess uh, away from Leeds. Um, Chelsea looked a mess. Um, Tuchel... I, Here's the thing about Tuchel. Before this year, I don't know that I really felt particularly strongly no. that I didn't like Tuchel. No, I didn't care. But now I'm starting I'm to not, really not like him. I'm starting to really not like him either. I, I he suddenly like really got like, an attitude. Like what happened? Yeah, like where did his attitude come from? Like is is it just us? Were we not paying attention? I, like, I really hope that it wasn't that because I'll feel like I wasn't doing something right. But, like, I'm thinking about what he said after the game when he's, like, oh, no, like, he didn't give Leeds any credit. No. Which I think is not very classy. And I get it. You don't have to give credit to your opposing team. And maybe I'm spoiled because Pep always does. Um, but I think if you get beat 3 nothing, you Yeah, they did something good. <laughs> like, take a little responsibility instead he's like oh yeah like we are we didn't get a plane and by we didn't get a plane he means the coaching staff the coaching staff had to drive from the horror from from london to leeds and let me tell you um about a month ago i drove from york to london and york is pretty close to leeds you survived. So it's a similar you? drive. You survived. And I drove it and actually had a pretty good time, actually. Um, didn't mind it at all. It was a perfectly fine, perfect, perfectly fine drive. It was like, I don't know, three and a half hour drive, something like that, three and a half, four hours, something like that, which, yeah, is not a short 
short drive, but it's also not a 12-hour drive, Thomas Tuchel. And also, you were on the goddamn bus, not your players. Like, yeah, it should not have impacted your players. It didn't impact his play. It didn't impact his players. No. It didn't. No. no. So he's like, oh, no, no, we never play. We never play. And I'm like, you sound like an idiot. And you sound like a sore loser. I think he is. I think he, I also think he is, is like, oh, loser. shit, I don't know what to do. What place is Chelsea in? Um, they're not in 14th or 16th. We know that. They're in 12th. Oh, <laughs> not much better. Okay. Um, um, I, I mean, yes, it's very early. It's, it's all that. It doesn't mean. And they, again, they look good against Tottenham last weekend. Like, I, I think. I think in this game, they very, very heavily miss Conte. I yes. think Conte's um, relentless motor will ha- would have helped quite a bit um, yeah. against the relentless Leeds press. Yes, but also, like, agree. they were just – I did want to mention, actually, about – there's starting to be a little bit of criticism around Raheem Sterling and, at Chelsea, and I want to talk about it <laughs> because I think it's twofold. Um, or there's two valid reasons to talk about Raheem Sterling. One is, I think we talked about before, and that he's not getting the level of service or the type of service that a player like he's Kevin De Bruyne provides him yeah. and he's yes. accustomed to. Um, and, the, and the second one is related to that, which even if you... Um, even if you watch City the last couple of years, Sterling maybe only finished... I don't know the exact statistics, so I'm. this is entirely anecdotal. I'm sure that – but Sterling probably missed about half of his a lot. goals that he should have scored. Yeah. Sterling yeah. misses a lot. Yes. Like, he blows chances about as often as he scores them, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're talking sheer numbers-wise, he still has really good goal numbers at City. But if you think about how many chances he's missed and how many chances he's made, percentage-wise – it's not great. Like, yeah, okay, he still scored, you know, 13 goals or whatever, which is great. But he's getting, you know, 10 chances a game from City. He's not getting the same number of chances at Chelsea as he was at City. So producing, it as the number of chances goes down, the fact that his goal conversion is not as high as maybe it should be becomes a lot more obvious. Yeah. Um, which is all I'm going to say about about Raheem Sterling. Also, actually, one other thing about Raheem Sterling. Go for it. Um, and this is less of a, a about his play and more of the why the fuck does he keep giving interviews about how much he wanted to leave City? My guy, calm down. He's really acting. He's talking. He's giving interviews like he was like ostracized at city and never saw any game minutes and and he didn't ever and i and i have no problem with him wanting a starting position where he gets to play every single game i have no i take no issue with that but the idea that he was not trusted at city is clearly not true he got played in most if not all of the big games even after not performing particularly well the last two years and like yeah. I just said about his goal percentage. And it's not like he's the single odd man out at City, that he's the only one that gets rotated in and out. Everybody gets fucking rotated in and out. 
And if he doesn't like that, that's fine. But he is now giving interviews like it was a person, like it was very specific to him and he's a, you know, whatever. They didn't, nobody liked him at City, nobody, whatever. And that's just not true. And I'm like, why are you still talking about City? Like you, you traded, we wished you the best. Now you're pissing us off. <laughs> like no City fans were mad at him for leaving. But I saw a handful of tweets this past week that were like, huh, you know how Liverpool's been talking mad shit about Raheem Sterling for years? Yeah. All that stuff. And I don't necessarily agree with all they've ever said about him. But there are City fans who are now like, "Mm, maybe Liverpool fans were not so wrong. Because why is he still talking about us? So that's all I have to say. That's my sort of anendum to, to Raheem Sterling is that he should give less interviews about how much he hated playing at City and focus more on finishing more of his chances. Sounds about right. Um, should we move on to the last game of this week? Yeah. All right. So um, Manchester United, Liverpool. I will say everyone coming into this game probably thought it was going to be uh, not a great day for Man United and Liverpool. We got their shit together and, you know, play well. And it was <clears> actually, <throat> funnily enough, the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> um, Manchester United went 2 1 at home. Um, and looked good. <laughs> like, they looked like decent, like, not like fantastic. And I can't tell if it was the poorness of the Liverpool side. I think the crowd, the home crowd behind them definitely helped, mm-hmm. but they didn't look like the team they looked who lost 4-0 to Brentford last week. Agreed. There were two, I think, um, significant changes to the lineup. Yes. One, Ronaldo was not playing. Good um, for them. That was a good choice. Which, yeah, good. Um, and two was um, Lissandro Martinez. Yeah. It's a center back for Harry Maguire. I will say that looks to be an inspired decision from Ten Hag. Martinez looked fantastic. He looked like amazing. Man U's best player. Yes. By a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Alternatively, I barely noticed Salah all game. Yeah. Um, he just, he didn't do anything particularly bad, but he didn't do anything good either. He just floated around. Um, he did get that. He scored their one, their goal, didn't he? Yeah. But I mean, wasn't a thing, but yeah, but like, no, he, he's not visible. And whether that's because Mane is gone, like I can't, I think that the question really is, are they missing Mane that much? Or is it like they have too many injuries right now? Or like something's just up. Who's hurt? Tiago's hurt. I don't, that's, I know that's a fact. <laughs> Someone else might be hurt. Well, Nunez had the red card. I don't think he would have made a difference in that game, but I know I, Tiago. Yeah. I think, I think that, I don't, I don't know that, I don't think that's like the solution, right? But I think it would have been. I don't think that that in particular person missing is their problem because I'll tell you where they look a mess. They're fucking fine. Yes. Trent, Should we discuss I, uh, Virgil van Dyke or you can? Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold has, there's been discussion for years about how he's a very good offensive player and not a very good defender. Um, 
And this has become increasingly obvious and people take more and more advantage of it. Marcus Rashford was delighted to just fuck up. Who has not had a very good start to the season, may I say, but just decided, you know, right. what, and last I'm going to destroy. Was, yeah. You know what? I'm going to fuck up Trek today. Yeah. Just made the decision. I, and and he's, again, the only Man U fan or Mo- Man U player that I like seeing succeed. We have to like him. We have to like him. You got to like the guy. Dude. You got to want him to be reasonably good. He's yeah. He's not a man that you can hate. No. And I don't. Not. I actually rather like Marcus Rashford. I do too. Um, I'm a fan. So I, I'm, I'm happy to see him, A, on the score sheet, but B, fucking up trying out Van Arnold. Yes. Um, but yeah, particularly, um, I feel like our, uh, TAA has been particularly exposed um, in the first couple games this year um, and it's not looked good. And um, I actually saw some Liverpool fans on, on Twitter suggesting perhaps moving him into the midfield and playing someone huh. else at, outside back, which I don't necessarily think is a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, like, he's a great player, right? He just might isn't really a fullback or good at defending. He's not good at defending. So <laughs> I'm like... Put him somewhere where he could maybe put better. him. And, and you now sort of have enough gaps in your yeah. in Liverpool lineup where you maybe didn't previously that maybe let's try playing him somewhere else. And maybe he's... And I feel like he's still young enough to do that. Like, I don't know. I definitely think that that would be a possible, possible move. Not to be, like... I mean, frankly, I hope they don't do that because yeah. it's better for me if they don't. But if they better were smart, for me too. they would try probably. Yeah. At least try it. I don't know. Um, but let's talk about what you were just, just bringing up. Let's talk uh, about yes. Mike. We talked about him last week. Yes. Um, we are talk about him again, um, particularly on the first goal, the Sancho goal. Um, Milner got all up in his face after Sancho scored that goal. Yeah. And I think very rightly so. I agree. Um, because it literally looked like um, a screen froze. <laughs> Elsa hit him with the ice power. <laughs> Didn't move. Um, Didn't move. And yes, Milner got sat down by Sancho, but Milner was, was playing at full effort. He got beat, but he was playing at yeah. full effort. And Van Dyke, and I've had plenty to say about him before, and I'm sure I will have plenty to say about him again, but he is a good defender. But it does look like this year he just don't, can't be bothered to defend. He's definitely not putting in the effort needed to be a good defender at this moment. He's kind of just there. Yep. Which as a center back isn't a great the thing to do. The only thing he did on the Sancho goal, the only thing he did Block. was song. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great screen. I'm like, I'm like, teach, teach fucking um the Philadelphia Flyers how to screen like that. Um, you know, like that's a perfect hockey screen. Like he's screening his goalie perfectly. Um yeah. except he it's his own goalie. <laughs> like so Ali Song like couldn't see Sancho or the ball. And I would also wonder if Although I will say, I said before that I think a lot of Van Dyke's success as a defender and sort of credit and and sort of um, record as a defender has been very much helped by Alisson being a very, very good keeper. So I think when we talked last week about how he backs off and he backs off and he backs off um, until they shoot, um, 
the vast, probably 99 times out of 100, Alisson saves that shot, right? So that looks really like really good defending from Van Dyke. And maybe it is if you have a, a keeper of, of Alisson's quality and that's, and you know, so they can't get off a great shot and he can save it and all that jazz. But I think perhaps, um, I don't know if it's, he's gotten too comfortable with that or if Alisson is also having a little bit of a dip in form. But Liverpool have given up five goals in three games. Yeah. I mean, as as someone... That boasts both the best defender in the league and the best goalkeeper in the league. Whether you agree with that, which I think our listeners will know that I don't, but whether you agree with that or not, that's what Liverpool fans and Liverpool says that they have i might not be saying it after this week as um pundit said we went into that game with one team uh in disarray and we may be coming out with a new problem team aka liverpool um because yep. liverpool as of now is in 16th place and united is in 14th um and again I do still think it is far too early in the season to be ringing alarm bells and saying, no, no, Liverpool's not going to be in the title race. I don't think that's true. Um, We are literally three games in. We'll, we'll see where things stand in mid October. Yeah. um, And have a better of an idea of who the competitors could be. Yeah, um, And even then it will still be a could be, we won't really have a good idea probably until after the world cup and probably until a little bit after and probably until February or probably later this year. Usually yeah. you can tell around boxing day kind of situation after the boxing, after the festive fixtures, you can usually have a pretty good idea of who the, who the race is going to be in between. I expect we maybe won't see that more until Valentine's day uh, yeah. or even early March, maybe, um, but we'll see. Um, we shall see, but yeah, we're still way too early to be, to be sinking anyone's entire season, but I, there are some very worrying signs here for Liverpool. Yeah. So let's move on. Um, we just have a quick, quick short list of like some other random things that happened. We didn't mention, um, and we should have in the man United, um Casemiro has officially signed with them he is leaving Real Madrid he is going to Man United I mean if he's is what he was at Real like good for Man U could be a good bonus for them I think what I'm going to them now after their game against Liverpool mm-hmm. is very different than when the rumors were flying before the Liverpool game Agreed. Um I have one thing that I'm looking for or not I wouldn't say looking for it I'm curious to see I'm curious to see if he perhaps is not able to get away with the type of um, sorcery that he'll finally get a red card. Get away with in La Liga because genuinely Casemiro is one of the dirtiest, if not the dirtiest player I have ever watched in my 24 years of life. Um, and I am including Ramos in that factor. But much like Ramos, Casemiro is particularly annoying be- that about being dirty 
because he's so good that he does not need to be dirty. So very good player. I'm wondering if he will run into disciplinary problems in the Premier League or if he won't. I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. It'll be um, interesting to see. But I'll be keeping an eye out for it because he just brutalized everyone. 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 That he's ever played against. So yeah. we'll see if they uh, if they let him. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest. He's not cha- He's 30 years old. He's not changing his ways. No, no, no. I do think Man United probably paid too much for a 30-year-old, Casemiro. Uh-huh. Um, but they're not particularly known for uh, making good money decisions. So we will see. Um, moving on to some other leagues, just an update from the Bundesliga. Bayern won, I think, what, 6-1 or something? 6-1, 7-1, something like that. A lot like Bayern. Yep. Per usual. Um, And in classic Dortmund fashion, as in classic Bayern fashion, um, Dortmund blew a lead um, and lost right at the end. Seemingly, like always. Let me, um, to be clear, Dortmund blew a 2-0 lead. Yeah. They scored, Werder Bremen scored their goals. Are you ready for this? Their first, it was 2-0 in the 88th minute. Yep. They gave up goals at the 89th minute, the 90, 90 plus three and 90 plus five to lose three to two. And this is something that Dortmund has done. Um, And I would like to say about that is, yep. Yeah, they need to improve it. I mean, if they're going to, you know hypothetically want to challenge Bayern to win the Bundesliga, they cannot be doing that. Nope. Um, yep. All right. So moving on to Barcelona, our La Liga trip of the week. Um, they won 4-1. Yep. Um, um, Lewandowski looked good. Ansu Fati looked good. Lewandowski scored 46 seconds into the game Yep. Um, on his 34th birthday. Um, Sociedad uh equalized not not too long later and then another goal from Lewandowski which was a very nice assist from Fati um and then a goal from Dembele and a goal from Fati himself um in the 66 68th and 69th minute or 79th minute excuse me um sealed the deal for Barcelona um honestly Barcelona looked looked pretty good um particularly in the second half they looked looked very very good in the second half um but I, I do think, you know, honest to God, uh, Fati coming in, Fati came in for Torres, uh, for Torres in the 63rd minute. Barcelona scored uh, three minutes later. Yeah. So he's definitely a game changer. So he, and it's really nice to see him back. He's such a young player with so much talent and then has had, um, has struggled with injuries. Um, the last, you know, two years. Um, and so it, it's nice to see him back and playing really well. And I, I hope he can, can, uh, get back in the groove of things. Cause he's real, real, got a lot of talent, really good. So, um, but it's sort of fun to see, you know, the youth and then Lewandowski, he still got it. Yep. He's still got it. Still, still scoring goals. So, yep. um, and the last piece of news that we wanted to talk about is that both Ellen White and Jill Scott actually announced that they were retiring in the past like couple of days um coming off of you know England's win in the Euros mm-hmm. we were discussing I think that maybe we thought Ellen White was going to hang on until after the World Cup but understandable why they kind of both you know 
retired yeah, I, now after that such that great success um I think I couldn't be less surprised about Jill Scott no I do feel like in many ways Jill Scott was Jill Scott has not seen a lot of playing time in yeah. recent years for England and I don't think she had any problem with that uh, she was very much there as a leader for the team and to sort of um curry in the next generation I think there have now England as a national team has developed enough leadership amongst its players Lee Williamson obviously to be one of them um that Jill Scott can feel comfortable um being done and also there's no you win the Euros you won the Euros she's played for 13 years or however maybe longer than that I don't know she's got almost 200 caps um like there's no reason for her to keep playing at this point um she's I think she's had a glittering and and very you know successful career I like Jill Scott quite a bit. I think, I think she's accomplished a lot and I, I expect that we will continue to see her in and around the game. Um, but I think I, I couldn't be less surprised at her retirement. I'm a little more surprised about Ellen White. I'm not shocked. There's a little bit. I'm a little more surprised. Um, Ellen White is not like, not to say she's, super young or anything like that but um she's 33 so she's not so old that you're like what is she still doing here um by contrast for example Jill Scott 35 um which again is not so old that you're like why hasn't she retired yet but you know 35 it's whatever um but you know Ellen White's 33 so it's not like she's obscenely you know, old to be playing, but, um, she has, you know, again, is one of those players that has sort of made historically she's England's all-time leading goal scorer for the women. And she is, she retires with only one goal less, um, than Wayne Rooney in the all-time England scorer, like men or women. She is, she retires with one fewer goal. I, I, I kind of almost wish she hadn't, I kind of wish that she played a that she went and played through the World Cup um to break that Wayne Rooney record, which yeah. honestly God Harry Kane might break both of them anyway, but yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, she retires as the top English women's goal scorer of all time, and you can understand why she why she'd retire. Um, do I think that England is going to be a competitor at next year's World Cup? Absolutely. Do I think that they could? potentially win the world cup yeah i do um do i think that ellen white is going to be the reason they do or don't no yeah um but i do think because they're such a strong team it does a little bit surprise me that she's decided to retire but um again not not mad about it not super surprised um and i think it's probably you can understand why why an older player would retire after achieving what they've achieved this summer. Um, And so, you know, I have been watching both those players, I think play for a really long time. Um, We're now reaching, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel as though I am now reaching the point and and Abby Wambach was obviously the beginning of it, but in many ways, I feel like we are, it feels it's not but it feels like an end of an era in many ways mm-hmm. a lot of the in women's soccer a lot of the the players that are retiring are sort of 
the players that were young, exciting players when I was first really starting to pay attention yeah. Yeah. Um, to the game. So like, yes, Abby Wambach was very good, but she was kind of established by the time we were like, I was like yeah. really paying attention to the game. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. so it, it's sort of this wave of players that is retiring now, which gives me sort of a, a bit of a sadness and a little bit of nostalgia and, and you know, all that jazz, but great careers from both those, um, those women. And um, I expect we, Jill Scott in particular, I expect we haven't seen the last of um, I expect her to continue to be in and around the game, um, particularly in England. Um, yeah. she's one, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw as a manager in a couple of years, but, um, you know, really happy for both of them. Glad they are, uh, I hope they enjoy their rest. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. So that is, uh, that's it. We had a long one, but, um, a lot happened this week. Um, and we will yeah. be back next week with probably the same amount because midweek games are going to throw us off. Yeah, I don't know. old wild tilt. So we don't know yeah. what we will be covering in the next week because we don't know when we will decide to record. But when we do, we will uh, talk to you then. Yeah. So until next week, enjoy your soccer watching. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.